in our day and age, there's a lot, to, a lot of people talk about happiness. They want to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. We want to be happy. Of course we want to be happy. There's nothing wrong with being happy. We, we all want to be happy. We want to do things that, you know, we, that we enjoy. And we want to have, live a lovely life. But, you know, I think in the world, sometimes we can go about those sorts of things the wrong way. And I think a lot of worldly people definitely go about things the wrong way. You, you'll find some people that try and, you know, get the fastest car or whatever it might be, the biggest house or, you know, a, I don't know what it might be, but, you know, the best clothes, the, the whatever. And certainly I think we can all recognise that that's probably not necessarily going to bring us happiness in totality. <laughs> it might bring us a degree of happiness. We might like the fast car or we might like the nice clothes, but it's not going to give us that happiness that is that deep thing inside that we're really seeking for. It's something that is really substantial that's going to give us this, this deep, deep joy. Then you have other... There's a lot of psychology around that, that talks about how to find happiness as well. There's even a place called the Happiness Institute, which is, part, which is run in Australia. And I think they probably do quite a good job for people who are not believers in particular because they teach people how to just do simple things in their life. You know, be gra grateful for the things that they have and, and not be so, um, I guess, expecting to have things different to the way that life has turned out for them. But then there's something deeper again. You see, that will, again, only bring us a degree of happiness. Why am I talking about happiness? Because beatitude, the word beatitude actually means happiness, but happiness at a deep level. It's like this really deep, satisfying life that we, we all, if we're honest with ourselves, really yearn for. Satisfaction that you can't really just, you can't necessarily explain, but you know if you've got it, that sort of thing. That's what these Beatitudes are about. And I want to talk about some of them. I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm only going to talk about some of them today. But they all fit the same pattern. And that is that this is the core of Jesus' teaching. It's amazing because it's sort of in a nutshell. It's not this... Um, I, I guess it's not, it's not a whole lot of rules and regulations... And yet it might appear to be on the surface. But then it's also a bit obscure because you go, well, okay, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is that about? Oh, superficially, when you look at it, you think, can't be. And so I've, I've actually read, when I, was, when I was researching this during the week, I'd read that the Beatitudes are probably the least commented on section of scripture. Now, how true that is, I have no idea. I've got no way of proving that. But, you know, I think it's an interesting thought that if it is the, mo the least commented on, and the, su the suggestion that the scholar made as to the reason that they were the least commented on was that the fact that they are so obscure and so difficult to try and really fathom and break down. And I think if we're honest with ourselves and, again and we look at these truly will find the same thing. They're a little bit strange. A little bit, okay, how do we work that through? So I'm going to attempt some of those today. I'm going to suggest that, that what Jesus is teaching here is, is also the core of the Torah. 
for the Old Testament. So it's the essence of the Torah, but it's also the core and the beginning of Jesus' teaching, the essence of, of the whole, I guess, of the Judaic system and also the Christian system. With that in mind, it's pretty awesome then that we, we should get it. These things are spiritually gained. They're not, and, this, and he's speaking in spiritual terms. He's not speaking in anything that is just fluff and bubble. And he's not speaking in everyday language of how to do anything. He's talking about stuff of the spirit. So I'm going to, a pretty tough gig to try and attempt to, to, to break this down, but I'm going to try it anyhow. So I'm hoping that you are able to glean something from what we talk about here today or what I, what I mentioned and take it with you and try and, and somehow apply it to your life. So let's start with the first one, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we need, we need to figure out what that is. Okay, so... Poor in spirit is really destitute. That, the word in the, in the Greek means just totally destitute, totally devoid of any form of spiritual contact. Let me give you an example. It would be as if you were a beggar on the street. I've, I've been to Naples, and, and Naples, I don't know if anybody else has been to Naples, there's a numbers of beggars on the street in Naples. And they, had, they don't have anything. It's like nothing. And when, when I give them something or somebody else gives them something, then they have something. So they take it and they use it. And what Jesus is trying to explain here is the same sort of attitude but a spiritual attitude. So if we're ab absolutely destitute, if, we're, if we don't have anything else spiritually at all, if we can make a space where there's just nothing spiritually and we are so devoid of all of that, then we've almost like we've got a hole there ready to be filled. And then when God fills that hole... He fills it with his love, his compassion, his joy, all of those things. And all of those things then are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not in the future, somewhere down the track after we die. The kingdom of God is now. And Jesus was emphatic about that while he was on the earth, that the kingdom of God is nigh. It is actually here now. So it's about accessing. This first one is about accessing this kingdom. How do you do that? You can only do it if you're so destitute, you know, like just destitute, so lacking in anything spiritually fulfilling to be able to then just suck up everything God has to give. It's the only way. And when you do, that's when you get that kingdom. It's, it's, the ups, it's an upside-down thing. It's a back-to-front thing, a thing that's totally different to the way that we would naturally, which is what Jesus, a lot of the time, is all about. 
in Old Testament times, what did they do to get, try and get God's kingdom? They sacrificed. We heard about that in, in the Micah scripture. And in the psalm, we were reading about what does God really want from us? and How do we get close to God? Well, Jesus gives us the answer here. It's about making ourselves available to God in that, in that way. So many Christians think that they think that they have all the stuff, and we do. We have a lot of information as Christians, especially if we've been Christians for a long while. We've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, a lot of good things that have happened for us throughout our Christian life, and we're probably very um, grateful for all of the things that, that otherwise we wouldn't be here. We, we're strong believers. But you know, it's those people who have that find, us, find it the hardest. Because we have so much, we're not like the beggar. We're not like that beggar on the street of Naples. We're not there just calling out to God, I, I need, I need you. I need you. I need you. Because there's part of us that's satisfied with what we have to whatever degree. And that stops us from, from getting to that place where the kingdom is. Well, the kingdom's there and here and now. Have you ever wanted to just touch and be in that kingdom and just know that you're there? You don't have to answer me. Answer me. Answer yourself in your own heart. I know I have. I've read these things and I just want to be there. I just want to be able to be in this, this elusive kingdom that God talks about and know that I'm there. This is how we get there. How do we make ourselves that destitute I guess it's about just getting before God and just begging like a beggar. It's about being humble enough to say, I don't have all the answers. I know certain things and the things that I know are probably correct. You've, you've maybe had very good theology given to you over many years. I know I have and I'm grateful for the theology that I've been given. But I don't have everything. I still want more. And I'm willing to admit that I don't know it all, especially to God, <laughs> and, and go, God, I really want you to just fill me. I need you. I am destitute in my spirit without you. So that's just the first one. I'm not, as I said, I'm not going to go through all of them. But I do want to go through a few of them because I think they're, they're really powerful. So this second one is, is very similar. Blessed are those who mourn, for they're going to be comforted. They'll be comforted. And the mourning that's talked about here is that whole... Um, it's that emptiness again. It's that sort of brutal emptiness. It's this form of empty of, of everything. If you've lost someone or something in your life that's been very, very important to you, and I'm sure many of you have, if not all of, all of you have, 
and you're honest with yourself, you'll understand the emptiness that happens as a consequence of that morning. It's like, a, like this vacuum that can't be filled. And it's such a deep hurt that the, the hurt is, just won't go away. And if you're anything like me, what I would find when I was in that place was that all I wanted to do was sleep because sleep was better than being awake. And it was the only place I could find peace. And I knew that this, it's like my insides had been wrenched out. All my guts had been pulled out and just thrown all over, you know, the place. And if you've been through mourning, that's probably, hopefully, touching on some of the feelings that you might have experienced. And so God says here that the mourning, this brutal emptiness, um, if we remain open... The idea is that it's a principle. If we can stay in that state, in that, in that attitude, then something far greater fills it. So it's not about filling it. And a lot of people, when they go through mourning, will try and give you things to stop the mourning. And they'll, you know, I, I can remember a friend of mine, a lovely friend, um, and a particular situation when I was going through this mourning that I'm talking about, and she just wanted to take me out and, you know, and, and nurture me. She was doing, she was a lovely lady, beautiful lady, taking care of me, but she just wanted to give me cups of coffee and, and you know, um, sit down and talk and, and let's go out here and do this. And the last thing I wanted to do was to go out anywhere and, and, and act like I was happy when I wasn't actually happy. <laughs> that was, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to mope, but I just wanted to be with where I was. I didn't want to even talk about it, really. I just wanted to come to grips with it. And instinctively for me, and you may have gone through the same thing, I, want, I felt like the closer I could get to God in this space, I would somehow be filled. And the, and the hurt and the pain would just go away. And... I truly believe with this beatitude, this second beatitude here, that that's the sort of, again, an attitude. It's an attitude of being that God wants us to be in. So if we can remain in this, in that space, in that space of emptiness, in the space of realising that there's nothing there that can fill us if God doesn't fill us in that space. No amount of doing or going or having is going to fill that. We can do that till the cows come home and it still won't fill it. There'll still be another yearning that we, that we need to be able to fill this space. But if we can work with this attitude and attempt to get our hearts right, and in this open space, then we will be comforted. Let me jump a couple here. Oh, no, I'll just do one more. 
This is, the, this is the last one I'll do, which is the third one anyhow. Might have to do it another time, come out and visit you another time, do the rest of them. This one is, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And often people think of meek people as being weak people. And then there's been a lot of people that I've heard preach on meekness and weakness and not that it's weak, it's actual strength. And well, I've never really understood it. I don't know about you, you might have. You might be cleverer than I am. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bit simple or a bit hard to get through to or something. Let me give you an example. I grew up in a, in a family where uh, there was a lot of anger and I learnt to be angry through that, in that situation. People, were, people argued all the time. Parents argued, they drank a lot, they argued, and then there was all of the manifestation of all of that. So I learned to be an angry person. But, you know, I sort of thought that that was okay. And then I realised that as I got older and I became a Christian, and they weren't, my, my parents and family weren't Christians, and I realised, hey, this is not working. This is not something that God wants. And so I tried desperately to try and control that and be a different person and a better person, which is, a, a, I guess, a good intention. And a lot of us try and do things the right way and, and be good people, and that's not bad. But it's mighty hard to do when you're trying to do it just by yourself in your own strength. I don't know if you've had a go at it or maybe anger's not your thing, but you might have other, other things that you want to get out of your out of your life that you know quite aren't condoned by God, that, you know, that God would like you to be a slightly different, have a different attitude towards. And I, have, I found it really tough and, I, and, and, you know, I still would if I was trying to get it out my, on my own. But God talks about here a, different, a whole different thing. And again, let me give you another example. And this is our last beatitude that I'm going to do. So I just want, I want to play with this a little bit. We've got a puppy dog, and I know these two have got a beautiful little new puppy dog too. <laughs> and some of you have probably got pets or had pets. When you've got a pet, you've got to train the pet. Comes in, it's in a wild little thing, and it wants to do what it wants to do, and wants to do its business inside the house, and you don't want it to do its business inside the house, and you want to have it, you know, not run off when, when you call it, so you try and train it to stay and to sit and do all of the things that you want it to do so that it can be obedient and that it can do the things that you want it to do. Well, being meek is a bit like that. Being meek is about being tamed by God, allowing God to tame you, allowing God to tell you what to do and how to do it, and you just do it. But there's a consequence in this. The interesting thing is that when we do that, when a, when a dog is trained to be domesticated like that, you can't let it go by itself. It'd never survive in the wild. Wouldn't know how to get food. Wouldn't know how to survive wouldn't have anybody giving it direction. And it's the same with us. The concept of this beatitude is about 
being meek is about being tamed by God. How can we be tamed by God? How can God tell us and direct us so much about how to do and what to do that we no longer know how to do and what to do ourselves? And we're so reliant on God that that's it, that's the end of the story. So it says here that blessed are the meek. No, when I find it. For they, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, you'll have everything. <laughs> I think that's pretty amazing. Just like I give my dog everything. Well, not everything actually. I, I don't want a big fat dog so I don't feed him too much food. <laughs> <laughs> even though he'd stand there and look at me with these, you know what dogs are like, and they look at you like that with these big, big round eyes as if you're being the most cruel person in the world by not feeding them when they've just had their dinner. <laughs> so, and I guess we can be a bit that way with God. But I know that my dog has everything it needs, and I'm sure your pets have everything they need. They don't want for anything. If we can get ourselves to a place where we're so meek and we're tamed by God, then we're able to be in a position where we have everything. We inherit the earth. I think some of these um, beatitudes are so powerful and I'm, I'm flabbergasted by them. So I'm going to leave it there. It's probably enough food for thought for a little while. So let's pray. Lord God, there's so much depth to your word. So we can go so deep. Help us to remain open to what you have to teach us. Because we know, Lord, that in that openness, in that vulnerability, in that mournful state, in that state of being destitute, in the state of being tamed, we, in fact, get everything. We understand it's upside down. And on the surface, it's hard for us to comprehend, but we just ask that you dig deep inside us. Help us to open to you and then receive from you. And in the days and weeks to come, help us to go over these things in our heart and our mind so that we might be able to be being saved. In other words, made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.